What's going on, world? Welcome to the Double Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double Up, and we're here to connect perspectives. Today, we got another special guest in the building, the talented, ambitious, and putting on for the community, Miss Kristen Lockett is in the building. And we're going to be discussing her journey, man, tapping into everything from how she grew up and became the real-life Tasha Mack. Kristen's been able to start up her own PR firm that helps athletes achieve their goals and start up their brands. And she's also founded the She's Up Next Foundation, which highlights the story of women in sports. Let's tap in. I will, like, post that was on something, and I'll put it on YouTube. Like, you could have brushed your hair. I'm like, damn. Yeah, I mean, presentation matters, but content is more important. Like, what are y'all actually talking about? I mean, Easter fresh, you know, that, that's that's presentable to the black culture. <laughs> okay, I am getting out of here. Um, okay, I need y'all to, like, not talk to me for the next hour, you said? Yeah, straight like, do not disturb. Oh, the the messages still come through, you feel me? Just, just, just let them know you're going to get back to them. <laughs> but yeah, Sorry. yeah. No, no, you good. Um, and then, like, most of my day is managing different phone calls and juggling and telling people I got to get back to them. I got to handle this now and prioritizing. So I understand. It's, it's, it's definitely yeah, not a problem. It's just like, I have to, it's, he's like a really high up Toyota client, and it's like a Then I was thinking too, like, do you organize your day? Like when you wake up, are there things that you had on your schedule that you have to kind of push back or are you a real stickler to that schedule? Like, eh, I got to get this done still. a whole different like i guess prioritization i mean prioritizing the different things you got going on that's the that's the entrepreneur struggle right yeah definitely take your time getting set up So, like, the main things, uh, I don't want you to make this, like, a real, real formal type of interview. Like, have you done an interview before? I, I would feel like by now you've done, like, a couple interviews, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you're Chrissy Lockett. You can Google her. The name is out there. <laughs> but, like, nah, that's not normally how I run my podcast. Um, what... I'm trying to figure out is how does sharing your story inspire somebody else? You feel me? Not that I don't want to promote your business. I know your your business no, is definitely gonna do that. I ain't trying to talk about it right now. For <laughs> <laughs> sure, for sure. But definitely let. Anytime I'm on my podcast, I look at it as a form of um, 
connecting perspectives, kind of just when I was coming up, I didn't really have different radio shows I would listen to. I don't know, like old heads used to listen to like Tom Joyner late night. And I feel like they used to get all that gossip from Wendy Williams or whatever it was. But like, like black men, especially, we didn't really just have shows that we would tap into and say, all right, this is where we get our information and our game from. It was just entertainment or school. No in between. Right. No but, in between. Yeah, I take them off because they're on. Like, they're doing some funky stuff screen here. Okay. All right. He is routed back to his manager. I'm off the hook. On me. Yeah, handle bit. That's like having a, a nine to five and juggling your entrepreneur life is is something that people shy away from thinking that that's pulling away from one being more successful like i always took the stance that you're gonna have to do it regardless you got to make money and provide for yourself so how do you want to position it do you want that to be a lifestyle and what you do on a day-to-day or do you want it to be where you go to work and if it's just where you go to work how can you still find some time for yourself and for your your own ideas it's, it's, it's such a struggle Did you tell him it was the Double Up podcast, though? If you tell him it's the Double Up podcast, he might might feel a little different if he knew it was this podcast. <laughs> okay. I am about to log on here. Trying to get my Yeah, get the, make sure your Wi-Fi strong over there, too. Appreciate you so much, Chrissy, making time out of your busy schedule to join the audience and just share a little bit of your insights. Sure, of course. Anything for you. I got you. Most definitely. Most definitely. So first off, tell the people where you're from. Like, what's your hometown and a little bit of what your household was like, the locket home coming up? Yeah, well, okay. If you ask my mom, she'd be very disappointed if I didn't mention I was born in Peoria, Illinois. I don't claim it because we moved when I was five. Um, so I grew up in Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago. Um, so we were there until I moved. Um, we moved to Texas like a week before I started high school. So that was a really crazy shift. Uh, so I'm still getting used to the Texas life, even though I've been here almost 11 years. It's still not quite the Midwest, but, you know, we're going. But I'm an only child, so it was just me. Um, grew up pretty active and kind of cheer, gymnastics, dance, that kind of thing. I was not sure basketball, volleyball girl by any means. No. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I still did my thing. Um and then I kind of quit all of that when I got an injury in uh, high school, but I was able to dance again um, my senior year of high school. And then I danced in college at TCU for one year. So, Okay. Okay. So I'm not really hearing football in that. Is, is, is dance was just like kind of your time to shine was the football games. Is that what it was? 
No, I didn't dance for football until I got to college. I only okay. did competitive. Yeah. So yeah, you wouldn't hear football in my growing up life. Um, that was not something that I uh, ever saw myself being a part of. Um, especially as you can imagine, growing up in Chicago, it's a little too cold, you know, to be going to football games for fun. Um, and in the Midwest, we definitely didn't have some of the stadiums and things that the schools in Texas have for high school. So I, I wasn't bit by the football bug until I moved um, down south. So uh, that's where I started getting introduced to the craziness um, in high school. And then, you know, in college was not it wasn't until college when I figured out, like, maybe I could see myself in the in that sport somehow. Yeah. So when you got down to Texas and football, football, a little bit different in Texas. I, I don't know if, if people know it's, it's a whole lifestyle, a whole culture. Yeah. My brother playing down there. Shout yeah. out to the Longhorns. Um, but from your perspective, somebody that didn't love football to see how serious that people took it. What, what was that like? Was you like, man, y'all are really doing too much? Or did you see opportunities early? Uh, first off, I would say people in the South would argue football is a religion. Um, sure. uh, I definitely thought people were crazy at first. Um, I Well, primarily from the school that I went to. I mean, we I went to private school my first year of high school down here. And our headmaster would literally pray you know, for football and the championship, every chapel. And I was like, are y'all serious right now? You know, so that's when I realized this is not a little thing, you know, and I moved here right when I think Allen High School started building their, I think it's like $60 million high school stadium, you know, and so you're seeing things like that. And I didn't have the little experience of football you see in like music videos and movies, like the little hard bleachers and things like that. I didn't have that because, you know, Frisco, when I went to public school, Frisco ISD played um, at Toyota Stadium, which was where FC Dallas plays. And so it's like you're in nice, you know, stadiums just for high school, you know. So I was like, these people are wild. Um, but it was definitely something that after a while, you can't shy away from it. You just got to go. You just got to dive in. You got to embrace it, especially if you're going to be at TCU. Like. <laughs> TCU is a football school. Like yeah. that's one thing I respect about y'all as fans. Ride or die. It don't matter what the team is doing. The yeah. y'all root for the Horn Frogs. I don't know who picked that as the mascot. I don't know even how y'all be comfortable rocking the Horn Frog memorabilia. But. Oh, that was me. But specifically about TCU, how did that shape your journey when it comes to your interest around marketing, around branding and starting some type of career when it goes into that industry? Yeah. So, man, getting to TCU, that was that was definitely um, really an experience because my freshman year was their first year in the Big 12. So talk about a football school. We we're coming right up off. Um, right off, you know, um, kind of a couple years after their big Rose Bowl debut and things like that. So I was coming when TCU was kind of on the rise, you know. Um, so it was really interesting to be there in such a big year for the university um, and getting to see just kind of some young stars emerging. We had, you know, Boykin at the time. You're playing against, you know, Mayfield and all those people at OU and it was really crazy to be in that realm. But um, one thing I got, I started getting involved in sports because my best friend at the time saw a flyer for this group called Athletic Ambassadors, literally texted it to me. It's like, hey, we should do this. I'm like, okay, like, I don't know Jack about football other than like, I could tell you who the quarterback is. I can kind of tell you what's going on. Like, I wasn't one of those people who was completely oblivious to the game, but like, don't ask me TCU's football history. Are you kidding me? Um, so I studied all those things about Davey O'Brien and LT and Andy and all those great people. And luckily I got into the program and, um, 
that was a really eye-opening experience for me to be introduced to like football front office, especially mm-hmm. because the director of the program, her name was Dominique um, Neville, now Dominique Green, and she was a strong, beautiful African-American woman. And I was like, ah, you know, seeing yourself reflected in that way. I was like, okay, this is something I can do. I want to be her, you know? And so I really started clinging to her and the coaching staff and working closely with them in the recruiting office for about two years. And then I danced for TCU my junior year. But um, through being an athletic ambassadors, I met my next mentor who was Jessica Hazard. And so when I started, she was um, in compliance. But by the time I finished dancing, she had started up the student athlete development program. And so that's what really got my eyes open and just helping players figure out more of who they were spiritually, mentally, emotionally, just really preparing them for a life beyond sport. Um, and so that's when I was like, I'm going to be Tasha Mack. It's yeah. That's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so you have been watching. I'm going to move a little closer to my, my router just so we don't have more uh, Teddy Riley issues. <laughs> Bro, Teddy. Man, it was supposed to be a good versus, too. I, I was tuned in to the old school battle. But what I was saying is it's important to kind of point out the fact that you mentioned Tasha Mac yeah. and that you mentioned how important it was for you to see women in these roles that were empowering that were around male dominant, male dominated industries. Yeah. Was that a, a specific driver? Was there like a, a ambition towards being a, a trailblazer, or were you just like, this is interesting? I honestly, it was just interesting. It was just interesting. Yeah, because you know, even in you know, I think it was like kind of early, late middle school, high school, like when the game came out. You know, I had saw Sasha Mack. I, I knew her character. That character didn't really resonate with me until I started kind of getting introduced to sports, you know. And so from then on, I was like, wow, like I would go back and like watch the game just for inspiration, just seeing how she um, she was such a unique character, you know. And, and even though she was fictional, I think for black women, you know, you have white women who want to grow up in the Elle Woods, but for us, it's like, no, we want to be Tasha Mack, you know? And so um, I think that that's why it was so important um, to see her role. And then once I got into the front office, seeing, you know, Dominique um, being a black woman in and as the assistant director of football operations, that was something that I was just like, you know, what? <laughs> and prior to that, I had met two women who worked at the Cowboys, but one was in player personnel. I think the other one was in media. So it was like meeting all these women um, in, like you said, these male dominated fields that really like piques your interest. Cause you're like, you know, there, there could be space for me here. Um, so that's when I really started thinking, all right, what, what can I do in this space? Yeah. Like th- if, if I don't know nothing else, I know black women usually make space for themselves when it ain't no space there. <laughs> and one thing I always admired uh, specifically about women in male dominated industries is that it's like it's like a stress that you carry gracefully. It's like you almost got to understand the playing field. Like I understand the playing field as a black man in, in the corporate life and what comes with that certain stereotypes and certain times where I got to make sure you know me as the engineer before you know me as the former NFL player. Right, right, right. For you, what, what, what is it that athletes sometimes have a hard time understanding when it comes to being represented by the right people or how they represent themselves? Oh, man. Um, that's a hard one. <laughs> I think it's hard. And I think that's the main thing that I started learning in student athlete development, right? Because a lot of times when you ask an athlete, who are you? The number one thing they're going to go to are 
you know, their jersey number and their position, you know. And so really that was a lot of our job to figure out you were someone else before you picked up a football, right? And you have other passions outside of your football. Um, and I know that you and I have had a lot of talks about um, how scary that conversation can be. A lot of times guys don't want to dissociate themselves from the sport um, for various reasons. Um, but, and excuse me if I'm not answering your question. <laughs> no, no, I feel like you get into it. Like how you learn to represent yourself is knowing what else you have to offer. Exactly. And, and I think that sometimes players are afraid to tap into what else they have to offer just because, um, you know, like, we, like we've talked about previously, a lot of times when you are a young African-American, you know, African-American boy who gets, especially when you get to that college level, you're really how close you are to the big million dollar contract, the draft, you know, the NFL team, the cars, the houses and everything like that. And it's so hard to want to look at anything else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something even now you're seeing with this whole COVID outbreak, you saw a lot of people looking at some players who decided not to play like, what? Like, you know, how are you not playing? But I think that once you realize you're who you are at your core, um, what the things that you're really passionate about, you discover your why, you discover your skills. Um, like I said, I had a former client who was like, yeah, I'm playing for the Cowboys, but look, I got a marketing degree from one of the top colleges in the country. I'm going to be, you know, a business analyst in the off season, right? Or, or players who were doctors who taken out of the season to go help on those front lines. And I think it's like really once you tap into your purpose beyond your sport and what you play, you know, then you realize the importance of conveying who you are. Um, if we look at athletes like LeBron, right? Yes, obviously we all know him because of um, basketball and his sport, but he's really made a point in these past, you know, five years or so to show us that he's more than just a basketball player, right? He's a philanthropist. He's a father. You know, he's an entrepreneur. He's so many different things. Um, and so I think that he's a great example for people to really look to on. Um, it's okay to be more than just an athlete. And I think a lot of players are really going to start understanding that, um, assuming that name image likeness comes out in January, you're really going to have to tap into that. You know, I am an athlete and. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. How do you position yourself and your business to be, able to help these athletes in a time when it's going to be a lot of a lot of culture vultures, a lot of people who really don't care about the athletes or understand the power in their name, image, and likeness, but understand that attaching to myself to this athlete is going to make my business money. Are there ways that you plan to differentiate yourself or just, just what's your whole approach when you think about name, image, and likeness and lock it up PR representing athletes? Yeah, um, I think we, we're we definitely planning to take the same approach that we do with our pro athletes. You know, Kristen doesn't care. I don't care what team you play for. I don't care what your position is. I care about who you are at your core. I care about your personal personal brand. Um, and I, I care about the longevity of your career. And by your career, I don't mean just your football career. I mean your entire career. Um, and I care about your pillars. Football is just one pillar of who you are or whatever sports you play, right? It's just one pillar of who you are. We want to expand on that everything else. Um, and so with the, you know, young athletes that we've talked about, or excuse me, that we've talked to so far, just who've had questions about this thing coming up, it's amazing to see that light bulb come on for them. Like, oh my goodness, you know, I can tap into some of the things that I may be interested in without fully deviating from my sport, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of young guys out here who, you know, love coaching, you know? So this is a perfect time for them to be able to host their own football or basketball or soccer camp when they go back home. Or it's the perfect time for them to do, um, they love cooking, you know? Maybe you can get a little partnership with a food brand or something like that and show everybody your, your skills in the kitchen. You know, they really, it's really about, finding that time to show your personality, letting your fans and other athletes and your followers know who you are. Um, and that's really what we're focusing on. We're I'm not coming in here saying, sign with us because we can get you all this money, right? But we're saying, 
hey, come with us because we really care about you today and we care about you 10, 20 years from now. You know, I don't care if you're on the practice squad or if you didn't even make it to a team, you still have a brand and you still have value. There are still people, you know, behind you that you can influence, right? Especially when you think about those other young boys still in the neighborhoods that you're from who look up to you. They don't realize the difference between you and maybe somebody who's still playing. You're still a really big light to them. And so it's it's really about kind of like you said, it's influencing the next generation, telling these kids in college, like you have a generation behind you that you can influence just with your name, image, and likeness, just with your brand. You can be reaching somebody else. Yeah. And there's so much power in that. And being more connected to the generation younger than you while they're still in college. It's like, it's not that big of an age difference. They are probably still listen to the same music. You know what I'm saying? Everything is still through the same or similar eyes, that perspective, it matters. And I see a lot of different angles and a lot of different ways that um, some people have manipulated it. And historically, we've always seen culture vultures. We've always seen um, a history of athletes not being as educated when it comes to handling your finances into understanding why your brand is important and to understanding why your image is important. When it comes to just integrity and who you are as a person, what's what's your stance or how do you guide athletes who are trying to do what they think is good for a brand to make money, but it may not be necessarily good for them as an individual? Yeah. Um, I think like something my parents always tell me, you know, every opportunity isn't the right opportunity. Um, and, you know, like we've all heard too, all money isn't good money. Um, so you really have to think about what is good for you, what's in line with you, what you have time for, you know, because like you said, there's going to be a lot of brands and companies and people who are like, oh, but you can make this much, but it's going to require like so much from you. Um, you still have to, the name image like this, you still have to keep in mind, you're not a pro athlete. Right. You still got school. You have other responsibilities. You know, you've got other things you have to tend to. So you have to make sure that you don't get so wrapped up in these paid opportunities that you're lacking everywhere else, because these little opportunities are great. But they're add ons. They're plus ups. They're really there to to be a tool for you to start developing your brand early. But that's not all you focus on. So when it comes to integrity, it just thinks it's thinking about. You know, first of all, making sure that it's a brand that you personally align with, you know, making sure that it's a brand that you're proud of, making sure they're not exploiting you, making sure, you know, you're reading the fine print, you know, making sure that you're not handcuffing yourself or selling your soul, people like to say, to a brand or making sure they're not working with you out of contingency of you making it to a next level or anything like that. And making sure you're following the rules, because that is one thing that your school will have no hesitation plucking you and filling you in with somebody else following those standards. So it's like, you know, you can't get, can't get lost in the hype. You have to make sure that you're doing nice, clean opportunities that are personally influencing and bettering your brand. And you're not just chasing a dollar. Mm. That's facts because it's a, I I talked about it before on my podcast. It's it's a difference between having value and being indispensable. Mm -hmm. Like, the system is going to keep going. It don't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money they could have made with you. They're still going to make that money without you. And that's hard for a lot of guys. to. That's a tough pill to swallow. If you got that big ego, you done been running the campus all these years. It's like, I ain't trying to listen to this little media girl trying to tell me I need to. I got it. I know what I'm doing. Like, it's hard to check egos. And us as, as men, we have to be able to, to not only – have women around as our peers and people who that who give us guidance but actually listen and, and respect that guidance mm-hmm. i know a lot of my homies are taking those steps like when they start their businesses or when they um go shop they're like who's some sisters i can work with mm-hmm. my, my fiance told me she was like um you want black women to feel protected hire black women yeah. spend your time and really value that opinion and not just uh, patronize black women. Uh, Why is it important for you to specifically see 
black women in management roles, not just in sports, but in, in any area of life or in corporate America? Yeah. Well, I think it's all about kind of what we talked about earlier, seeing yourself reflected, right? Just like it's important for Black men to see themselves, you know, whether they're in CEO roles or top athletes or music artists or whatever, the same goes for Black women as well. You know, you it's really important to have um, Black women having those seats at the tables because we still have a lot of work to be done, you know, <laughs> on all sides for women in general, you know, for, you know, race equality. And um, it's important for us to reach those heights because um, we still need some some way makers here. Right. We still need people who are able to reach back and look at um, the talent pool like of their people. Right. Because a lot of times, um, especially in sports, sometimes it's a it's a boys club, it's a family club, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's, they're only hiring who they know, or, yeah. you know, they're only, it's family ties, it's, it's all this kind of mess when there's a lot of people who are actually qualified for these roles who are getting overlooked simply because they have no type of immediate tie to the owner or our management or something like that. So it's just really important for us to keep striving for these roles because, um, you know, there were several amazing Black pioneers before us, and we still have to be pioneers for the generations to come. Like the work isn't done because we see, you know, one black CEO, we see one black GM, or we see one black owner. Right? We got to keep going. There's got to be more of us at the table. Yeah. Well, there. Well, I'm asking where there are there specific women who you looked up to. Who you said I know Tasha Mack. Tasha Mack. Already we talked about her, <laughs> but people who are doing it in real life whether that be on the PR side, representation side, business entrepreneur, who are some women that you, you kind of see making those moves? Yeah, so um, I'll say my earliest and most personal tie would be my god sister. Um, and so her name is Kim. Um, and she was one of the first, she wasn't one of the be. she was the first black gymnast at UCLA. Um, oh. And so seeing, you know, growing up, in hearing about the way that she's made. If you look at UCLA's gymnastic program now, they are known for their um, African-American women who have some amazing floor routines that bring a lot of culture and spice to the floor. And I just think like, wow, you know, if my god sister didn't have that opportunity, if my godmother didn't clean bathrooms of gym and gyms, you know, just so my god sister could train, like, look at these women that wouldn't have had a chance now, right? And she went on um, after gymnastics to have involvement, you know, with FCA. Um, her husband also played, he played in the NFL. Um, and so they worked in a lot of, as being like chaplains, you know, for a lot of teams and things like that. So kind of seeing her involvement as a woman in sports, as a former athlete, and then still working in sports um, was like my first kind of exposure to that. Um, and again, it wasn't until I got older that I really realized, you know, what she did and, and the weight um, of her career and how inspiring that would be to me. Uh, but beyond her, I think um, I had, I hadn't really looked at a lot of women in sports just because again it was something I kind of like fell into um but as I started really getting closer to um graduating college I would say the first woman uh, that I really looked up to was Kim Mial at the time um because she had just made history as like the first woman to have like a top she had like Saquon like was it top three right top three picks um and um so she was like the I don't want to say only female agent, but she was one of the few who had them that uh, that high. But at the same time where I was trying to figure out my sports journey, I got connected to a young girl who was um, finishing up OU Law, who didn't really know what was next, that now is what everyone knows is the powerhouse of uh, Agent Nicole Lynn. Uh, so it's been really inspiring uh, to see her journey of just that first conversation I had with her back in like, 2016, 2017, when she was finishing up law school, still interning at an agency, and now being a pioneer and probably on almost every woman in sports list, um, and having her name dropped in things like All American and now 50 Cent making a show kind of modeled after her. Uh, she's doing <laughs> things for Black women in sports for real. Yeah, I mean that's amazing. Like 
I've never been surprised when you start to witness black black girl magic and what they call it. When you see the black girl magic happen, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I am just kind of inspired, but also like, damn, this is what we've been missing. This is what the game been missing. You feel me? Are there times when it, it gets a little just overwhelming? Like, how do you deal with the anxiety and knowing that you are carrying so much or you are trying to be a trailblazer, but yet still be yourself? How, how do you handle that? Um, I think it's really just kind of how I mentioned before is the same thing that I challenged my athletes with. It's it's remembering my why, remembering why I'm doing things, remembering what I'm passionate about. Um, it can be very challenging. You know, there are times where I can have a lot of clients. There are times I can have no clients at all. And it's like, wow, why am I doing this? You know, you kind of have that overwhelming sense is more so like self-doubt. Like, you know, am I in the right position? Um, I know that a lot of people in the sports industry were on needles for the past <laughs> four or five months. You know, we didn't know if there were going to be seasons, you know, and athletes and management alike were like, what are we going to do? Um, and so I think it's just kind of, I just think, you know, if God puts something in your heart, you got to chase that thing 110%. Um, and you got to keep your head down. You got to do the work and remember that, you know, he won't give you something that that you can't handle. So I think that I kind of just stay rooted in my faith, stay rooted in my support system when times get tough and just keep it moving. And that's if, if you're not with your family, if you're not on top of your ideas, if you don't got that center, it's too much craziness going around right now for you to not have that just that center, that that way to keep that tunnel vision Right it, for you during this quarantine and during the, I, I don't even like call it the social unrest. Cause I feel like for black people, it always has been like, I y'all might be listening more. It might be on TV more, but ain't nothing new. Like we've been saying this stuff. Been a thing, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What, what, what has it been like for you specifically in 2020, the pandemic, Breonna Taylor, the multitude of things that, and we ain't even talking about the election too. <laughs> the, the election too. Yeah. Like when when it comes to personal responsibility and finding a way to make sure that you keep some coin coming, <laughs> depending on what's going on in the economy, no matter what's going on in the world. Where did you find this drive for entrepreneurship that's different? from other people who just say, I got to clam up. I got to get what the government going to give me. I got to just um, hold on to my prayers and hope that I come out of the other side with something for me. It seemed like you got much more of a, I'm going to get to a type of attitude. I'm going to get this business. I'm going to build this network. I'm, I'm going to do something. Like, where does that come from? I just I feel like a lot of it comes from my dad. <laughs> uh, he is a go-getter, a true on. Um, South side of Chicago, just, you know, you got to hustle. You got to make it. You got to you gotta take your talents and figure out how you can keep going to that next level. Um, so I feel like growing up, you know, my parents always instilled in me, like, you can, you can do whatever you put your mind to, right? Go after it, you know? Um, at times, did they think they probably should have forced me to stay in a couple things a little longer? Definitely. Um, and I'm still that way now. But I think um, I'm the type of person where it's like, I won't know until I try. Um, and so that's always the mindset that I've had, um, especially being in, in the role that I'm in now, you know, if you would have asked me, you know, growing up, even 10 years ago, did I think I'd have a PR company? I'd be like, first of all, what is that? And second of all, are you crazy? You know, um, but I think that you just see so much going on in the world. Um, and you see, uh, when you see people like, you know, the Obamas, when you read, you know, I read Michelle Obama's book, you know, Becoming, when you read something like that, when you see, even if, you know, we want to go Jay-Z and Beyonce, you know, you have to remember these people are not being stagnant, right? They spent a lot of time coming from a lot of situations and persevering through a lot of things to get to where they are. Um, and so it's, I just kind of try to keep that mindset. You know, I'm not going to 
make it to that next level of excellence or I'm not going to be Tasha Matt just sitting and watching the game. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to go out. I'm going to have to do the work. And so I think that that's just kind of naturally where my drive is came from. I'm the type of person who gets I get crazy if I don't have anything to do. Mm. Um, so I'm just naturally that kind of person. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, for those generations coming up, um, we're entering a job market where everyone has a little bit of an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you're seldomly meeting people who don't have some sort of side hustle. That's just becoming the way of the world, you know, especially with social media and access to all these things and trade markets and all of that. People are, especially kids, are learning earlier the importance of um having something that's yours, you know, building something that's your own, whether it be a full-blown company, whether it be a product, whether it be a Breaking leaves business, you know, just yeah, having something, you know, something that you can own and and that you can fall back on. Because if this time um, has showed us anything, it's that nothing is promised. Lives, job security, nothing. You know, whether it's your, if you're at the top or the bottom, nothing is promised tomorrow. So you really just got to make sure you try to do your part in building some sort of security for yourself. Mm, mm, that's real. I I truly appreciate your your takes. Like when when the pandemic hit i ain't gonna lie i was cool with quarantine i was like i'm gonna sit in i'm gonna really lock in on my ideas i'm about to build i don't know how y'all gonna come out of 2020 but i'm gonna have some a couple of things with a foundation at least if i don't got the whole tower up we're gonna have this foundation going to 2021 and i've i've i'm with you the job force is so much different now and everything is almost so specialized that you either have to be the expert in that or you got to have a few different ways to bring value to other businesses or other people. And, and that's the way I'm looking at life is, yeah, I got my alkaline activated services. I got my product engineering going with some training. We, we got whatever you need over here for real. Yeah. The, the whole concept is that it's an umbrella that's under a lifestyle of things that, I enjoy and that I'm not going to stress myself out or feel like if I do one thing, I've poured too much energy into it that I didn't get any fulfillment back and I can't continue to do what I got to do over here too. Yeah. One of the last things I want to end on, when you think about your plight, you think about the things you've accomplished and I don't want to push my perspective on you, but I'm just going to give you my perspective. A lot of times I'm always in a fast forward mode. Like, man, in, in three months, I'm going to have this done. Like, yeah. hey, and, and next year, it's this going to be there. Like, yeah. what are your, what are the things that allow you to stay in the moment that, that you just love, that make everything else stop around you and, and keep you happy and at peace? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as a person who, previously struggled with anxiety, <laughs> that will slow you down, right? Um, you've got to, my anxiety journey really taught me like, okay, you've got to calm down just a little bit, right? Like there, you've got to control what you can control. Um, and I was just like you in the sense of like, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that. Like really feeling like I'm not ever doing enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that once I kind of went through that and, and like I said, just once you see things going on with the world and once you kind of have that realization that um, no matter how much time we think we have, like you just never know, <laughs> life is short, you know? And I really wanted to shift my perspective on never taking a day or anything for granted, right? Um, every day we wake up with an opportunity in another set of 24 hours to inspire somebody, to make a difference, or to just make one small baby step towards where we want to be, right? And, and like you said, with, with the pandemic, you know, it's like, hey, at the end of this thing, I may have a foundation. I may not have a tower, you know, but I may have a foundation. And that's how we kind of have to look at life, right? I may not be at six figures, but guess what? I made one more one more dollar today than I had yesterday. Right <laughs> and you just kind of have to stay stay humble, stay true, think of those things, you know. And with social media, oftentimes we get in that comparison trap, right? Um, you know, it can be easy to be like, oh, well, you know, like 
I'm starting it out in sports and, and this other girl just started, but she already got this player and that player or she's oh. got this and that or even for athletes, you know, it's like I've been playing this amount of years and my contract, you know, he got a new contract and all this stuff. But you have to remember, we all are running a different race, right? I can't, we all arrive at our peak times at different times. Like what is for me is not for you, you know? And so it's like, you kind of have to stay true and, and think about the vision and the path, you know, that um, God's giving you or, 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 you know, just stay true on, on what's for you. And I think that a lot of times our generation gets to, trying to be in everybody else's lane, you know, trying to see what everyone else is doing. We get a little too caught up in, you know, competing with our peers or, oh, I'm at this age. I need to have this. I need to have that. And, you know, I think about my parents. I think about a tweet I saw today. You know, this woman was talking and she said, you know what? Hey, I didn't make 50K until I was 30. And she was like, you know, and then I didn't even make six figures until I was 39. You know, I say all that to say, like, don't beat yourself up. You know, and I think it's yeah. those things to put it in perspective, because if you get on Instagram, Twitter, whatever today, they're going to tell you you need to be 21 with a five car garage, yeah. eight bedroom house and already engaged in eight kids or something yeah. with and dripped in Dior all while you do it. You know, <laughs> but it's just that's not reality, you know. And debt free, you ain't got no debt neither. Yeah, you ain't got no debt, you just got money going out your ears, you know, it's crazy. So it's just like you just have to remember, like, stay focused on reality, you know, find find a sense of gratitude, wake up um, you know, being thankful, find one thing to be thankful for a day. And I, I that will really shift your perspective on like, look, you know, especially being in something like this pandemic. That will really wake you up. I'm like, you have a lot to be thankful for. You know, you're not trying to figure out where your next meal coming from. Be grateful. You know, you got roof over your head. Be grateful. You're healthy today. <laughs> be grateful. You know, so it's just those things for me is what really keeps me grounded and not trying to stress myself out over what's next. Yeah, and it's, it's it sounds like it's really the simple things in life for you, and and being full of gratitude and understanding that damn there's so much that people have planned for 2020 that uh -uh. <laughs> i'm talking about people have things about five years planned out right or festivals you know festivals be like two years planned out conferences three years planned. Uh -uh. none of that none of it we people talk about all the shows i know a lot of artists were supposed to be on the road making all this money uh, -uh. none of that yeah you know what i'm saying so it's like even though we do make plans, even though we do have ideas, it's still in God's time. Yeah. And we still I heard I heard Nip Nipsey Hustle said it best. He was like, I was thinking it was chess moves. It was God's grace. You know what I'm saying? So like when we do have our ten year goals, our five year goals mapped out, gotta remember to still stay in the moment and appreciate it. And not not be complacent. Yeah. But be content and know that we have all that we need right now. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a, a daily affirmation I have to tell yeah. myself. It's like I have everything I need and I'm, I'm able to bring my ideas to life. Just got to be, uh, like you say, full of gratitude and, and open yourself up to do it. Yeah. You know, and you also have to be you have to be flexible and able to pivot. Right. Because. Yeah. You know, like you said, things will come up in those five, 10 years or even one year. You know, we don't even know it's October. We still got we still we just entered the last quarter. There's still a lot that could happen. And so you just kind of have to have that mindset of like, you know what? OK, this roadblock came, but let me find a different strategy. Let me find a different route. Like in sports, right? you got to find you got to think on your toes. You can have your play mapped out, but something can come. You got to. You got to find a different route. And it's the same goes for life. You know, it's like, I didn't get this job. Okay. But you know what? Maybe there's this one. Maybe the salary is a little lower. Maybe it's not what you, you know, want to be in, but it's going to be serve as a vehicle to get you where you want to go. You know? And so that's really the other perspective that we have to have. It's that gratitude and it's that flexibility. You got to be ready for whatever. You just have to keep moving. You can't. Mm -hmm. That's a hundred percent, man. The last, last thing I want to wrap with is tell the people about Lock It Up PR, your your vision for your company, what what you can do for your clients. How can they work with Chrissy Lockett? 
<laughs> yeah, so Lock It Up PR is a full service public relations and branding company. Um, we work on anything from, like I said, you're building your personal brand to um, philanthropy efforts and community engagement, media relations, focusing on your um, digital branding and platform. As we know that social media plays such a big part in people's brands these days. Um, and the vision really is just to keep growing and, and serving whoever comes in our path. You know, it, for me, like I said, Lock It Up PR was something that I kind of just fell into, you know, by God's grace. And um, it's something that I'm still working on the mission and, and fine tuning everything as, as I grow. But, um, you know, we hope to be able to branch out to other sports. I know we're primarily in football. We hope to reach some other people in, you know, baseball and basketball. Um, but we also are working with influencers, small business owners, entrepreneurs, anybody. You got a brand. If you live and breathe it, you have a brand. So we can work with you. Um, but yeah, you can definitely follow um, Lock It Up PR on Instagram at Lock It Up PR. Um, you can find myself. Um, it's at the Kristen Marie. Uh, and, you know, just reach out. Just have a conversation. We love to talk. We love consulting, even if you're not a long-term client. Even if we just have a couple conversations, we love to just see how we can aid people in their journey. No doubt. And I personally, I vouch for, like, I, I've already had a consultation, paid services. Make sure you, you spend some time with the lady. And one thing that I know is she is she's serious and she's passionate about what she's doing. Um, and like I say, my website's going to be coming. I am Will A. Brown dot com. October 24th is on the way and I will be working directly with Chrissy on that so I can find some good ways to get my products and services out to the people because I'm not an expert at marketing. <laughs> she knows how to do that. But, That's for sure. Man, Chrissy, I truly appreciate you. I know you super busy, got a lot to get back to. Uh, is there any last things you want to leave the people with? No, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. We always have such great conversations, so it's always a pleasure. And I hope to be hearing from some of your audience soon. No doubt, no doubt. Appreciate the audience tapping in. Shout out to our sponsors, Real is Rare. I'm, I'm going to get you a hat. I'm going to send a hat your way. Hey, that's my favorite our guest. And to everybody in the audience, let's double up. And we out. Awesome. Appreciate you, Chrissy. Of course. Thank you. And for people should hit me up. Um, yeah, we need to talk about your website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I ain't forgot. I just don't want to put something. I was like, oh, yeah, I got somebody to tell them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't never want to just put stuff on your plate before I know how I'm coming with my ideas. It's, I got it's, you. I got yeah. you. I'm excited for you. Let's get it. Oh, good. We're going to tap in soon. All right. Bye.